uh, that physical, mental, emotional, and most of all, spiritual power. And we pray that God today, you'll get honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, it's a treat for us to uh, be able to have a special guest uh, here in Sunday school. And special day for me, too, because uh, tonight uh, Pastor Luke's going to be preaching. I had a little eye procedure on this week, and so I wasn't able to get my normal studying done. So tonight, next week, Pastor Luke's taking that. But it worked out good because uh, we have our missionary to Ukraine, Brother Joel Matchek. And his dear wife here, and so we're going to get blessed by that. Would you give them uh, a good home church welcome here? Man. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Luke. It's always great to be here. I'm going to move this aside. To be back with you all. You're going to have to build a new church. This room is getting more and more full. That's never been a sad thing for a pastor to hear. <laughs> There's no more room in the church, <clears throat> at least in the choir room. Um, Lorian and I are back. We came back for a family reunion. It's always a difficult thing to come back for a family, family reunion, especially when the reunion's in Hawaii. <laughs> But we already went there, so you don't have to pray for us anymore. Thank you for your prayers. Everything was good. <clears throat> the sun wasn't too hot. Um, <clears throat> but we are good. We are glad to be back here with those of you who understand our English, and we can speak English to you. And it's not the, the mental uh, exercises to... Make sure we understand what's being said, especially now in Ukraine with more and more people speaking Ukrainian and we learned Russian and so that's always an adventure. Um, it's interesting though because there is more of a push to speak Ukrainian there in Ukraine. It's, it's Ukraine. They do have an official language. Ukrainian is much different than Russian. But for probably 70, 80 years, most people in Ukraine have spoken Russian, and so most people today fully understand Russian. Most can even speak it. Um, but the push is because of the war with Russia to, um, to switch over. Although in public, Lorianne and I never hear anything about, oh, why do you speak Russian? Why are you speaking the enemy's language? blah, 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 switch over. But in the church, we do hear it. When are you going to start preaching in Ukrainian? Why don't you switch over to Ukrainian? If it was as easy as just flipping a switch, I'd speak Ukrainian. I definitely would. But I tell him, it took me 15 years to learn Russian. Give me 15 more, and I'll speak Ukrainian. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the Lord is good. Um, he continues to protect us. He continues to, to be our shield and our, and our uh, rock. I love the, the song that we sang uh, just now. Could be our anthem for um, these past year and a half in Ukraine. Um, this morning, I want us to open our Bibles. And I'm going to share some testimonies, but I also want to look at something 
I want to look at Christ's words. Um, Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. And I want to read the last three verses of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. And as I understand, not too many weeks ago, you came off of uh, your time with Pastor Robinette and the emphasis on missions. Not too long ago, you had your missions week. I'm going to continue that theme because I'm a missionary and I'm expected to preach on these verses. But actually, this, I mean, I couldn't, the Lord couldn't have given me a better um, passage. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Um, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We're going to look at the Great Commission this morning. And as we read this Great Commission, there's something that reoccurs over and over in these verses. And I want to look at this this morning. There's something that reoccurs four times. There's a word that we see four times, and it's the word all. We see all here in these verses. And the first time we see it, we see it in verse 18, the second half. Jesus speaks unto them and he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It would be good to remember that in the book of Matthew, Matthew the writer, his main emphasis or the picture he wants to give to the Jewish people is that Jesus is king of the Jews, but he's also much wider. He's the king of kings. He's the king of the Jews and he's the king of kings. And so Matthew records Jesus' words here, beginning this great commission. It's not just go, teach, baptize. But Jesus' first words are, all power has been given unto me. Matthew makes sure to record why Jesus can give us the great commission. Why the authority that he has to give his followers a command. Jesus says, all power has been given unto me. You know, when a king has power, and a king does have power, his power gives him the authority to tell his citizens what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And so here, at the very beginning of this great commission, Jesus is saying, this is my commission. This is why I can tell you what to do. Because all power has been given unto me. Remember when Jesus was tempted as he was just starting his ministry. He went into the wilderness. He was there 40 days. And then Satan came and tempted him. What was one of the temptations of Satan 
Satan said, if you just bow down and worship me, I will give you power. Jesus, the last thing he tells his disciples is, listen, there's no power that Satan can give me. My father has already given me all the power. I have all power. I have all power. And so if Jesus has all power, then we, if we claim to be his followers, should be listening and ready to obey the commands that he gives us. In the book of Daniel, if we look over in in Daniel, we see a description. Daniel gives us an Old Testament picture of Jesus. In chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Daniel tells us of one of his prophetic visions about Jesus. He writes in Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom which shall not be destroyed. And in Revelation 19, 11 and 16, John gives us this description. He says, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. So we know our king is faithful and true. So what he tells us will be faithful, and it will be absolute truth. He doth judge and make wars. And then verse 16 in, in chapter 19, John continues, And he has on his vesture, or on his garments, and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So this is the one who is giving this commission. This is the one who is giving this last final mission to his disciples, to his followers. Jesus says, I have all power. If Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, tells us to go to all nations and make disciples, then we, as his followers, we have one responsibility, and that is to go. When the king gives a mission, all who love the king, all who follow the king, will do everything to fulfill this mission. And you know, growing up I loved reading books, books on missionaries, but also books on um, those who died for their faith. One of my favorite books, I know that Dad has probably said this as well, um, and I got it from my father. One of my favorite books was the Fox's Book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, <clears throat> just the story of those great Christians, those great men and women who died for their faith. And what gave them the power or what gave them the courage to, until their final breath, say, I will not deny him. I will not turn from him. It was that Jesus has all power. That Jesus has all power. They knew that the one that they were obeying was the one who holds power over life and death, power over the future, and power to hold them in his hands until they stand before him face to face. And you know those great men and women, and my prayer is that each of us each of you would hear the same words from Matthew 25, 21. When we follow the king who holds all power, 
he will say to us one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So if we love King Jesus today, if we love King Jesus today, we're going to act in obedience as an evidence of our love. And we're going to say, Lord, wherever, to whomever, whenever, you tell me what to do. So that's the first, all. All power. All power. The second all that we see in this great commission is in verse 18, or excuse me, 19. Verse 19 in chapter 28, we see, go ye into, or go ye therefore and teach all nations. All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We see that Christ's final mission for his followers was not selective. We hear this word inclusive very much in our society today. We need to be inclusive. We need to be all-inclusive. Jesus here is all-inclusive. He is all. He covers it all when he says, go ye into all nations. There's no place on earth that Christ says, well, that's over there. That's far away. That's too difficult. It's okay. Skip that one. He says all nations. In 2013, the Washington Post published an article listing over 650 different people groups, different people groups in 190 countries of the world. For us as believers, that's a lot of destinations. If you want to know where your next vacation should be, pick one of those faraway people groups and visit. And even though it's been 2,000 years since Christ gave this command, He's still saying, go to all nations. There's still people groups that have never heard about Christ. And there's still a lot more that don't have a Bible in their own languages. And yet Christ's command is the same. All still means all. But it's interesting that Christ also understands our human nature understands our fears, understands our doubts. Because when we read this command, especially when we read in Luke and we read in Acts, this um, commission, we see that Jesus breaks this command into smaller chunks. Yes, he tells us to go to all nations. And I remember as a young boy, I would read this and I loved missions growing up. My dream was to be a missionary, and yet I read this commission, and Jesus said, go to all nations, and I often ask myself, how could I, as a young boy, or as a guy, how could I go to all nations? It seems like it's maybe a little easier today with the advent of the internet, the advent of um, mass media, to reach many, many But Jesus breaks it down, and in Luke, he tells us, he gives the same commission, but he says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Here he is. He's breaking it up for us 
so that we can grow our faith. He understands that a small step of faith leads to a bigger step and a bigger step and a bigger step. And so he says, I want you to be witnesses for me starting in Jerusalem. Starting in Jerusalem. What would that sound like for us today? If Jesus was standing here speaking this morning, giving this commission this morning, it would sound something like, Home Church of Lodi, I want you to be witnesses for me, starting in Lodi, Stockton, San Joaquin Valley, California, the U.S., and then the uttermost parts. I know that sometimes some places in Stockton can seem like the uttermost parts of the world, but Jesus is saying start local. Start local. Watch me work locally, and I'll give you a broader, bigger vision. But you have to start. You have to start somewhere. He doesn't say, just get up out of your pew and go to Papua New Guinea. Get up out of your pew and go to the deepest part of Africa. As a young boy, I dreamed about that. That was a a, um, fantasy of mine. And yet, God wants us to start local. He wants us. Because... All nations, especially as we become more globalized, I remember for a while we went to a church in Stockton, and at that church there were six different nationalities, six different churches that, that used the facilities there. Sometimes going global doesn't mean you have to go very far. And yet all nations still mean all nations, all people still need to be reached. I remember we were getting ready, last year we were getting ready to go to the east to take some uh, um, uh, uh, humanitarian aid to um, the peoples in the east. We were going to visit some soldiers there. And it was a couple, it was about a week, week and a half. We were praying about going. Lord, should we go? We were preparing to go. And one evening, I ran to the store. Lorianne was uh, either with some friends or, or, or somewhere. I ran to the store, and I noticed outside of the small supermarket that there was somebody begging for money. And as I rushed past them, I just saw out of the corner of my eye that they were dirty, unkept. Um, and so I rushed in, got the things I needed, came out, and they were still there. And this time, as I passed, I saw that it wasn't just any bum, any homeless person on the street. It was an older lady, a grandma. She was wearing a very ripped-up, dirty jacket. But what caught my eye was she was wearing the jacket upside down. And so the collar was down here. And she was just all messed up. I walked past her to my car, put my stuff in the car, and the Lord started beating me over the head. What are you doing, Joel? Why didn't you want to help her? Well, there's lots of people that are begging. There's lots of this and that. You start arguing with God. 
And he said, Joel, you're getting ready to go to the east far away to give help. And there's this little old lady here that obviously needs help. Put my stuff in the car, walked back to her, and I said, Babushka, can I help you? And she started trying to talk, but she couldn't talk very well. One or two words I could understand. It was a lot of mumbling, but also there was something wrong with her speech. I don't know, maybe she had a, a stroke at one time. I don't know, but she couldn't talk very well. I went back inside. I got some groceries for her, um, came back, and there was another lady that was standing there giving her some clothing, a big bag. Uh, there was a, a coat and, and some other clothing there. <clears throat> I said, Grandma, I have some food for you. And as, and as soon as I reached to give her the bag of food, I realized this bag is too heavy for her. There's no way she's going to carry this back to wherever she, she lives. I said, Grandma, let's get in the car. I'll take you home. I said, here's a, here's a lot of food here, knowing that this was more than she was going to be able to carry. Plus, the lady had given her a bag of clothes. I said, Grandma, let's take this stuff back home. And the other lady even though we didn't know each other, she, she told the grandma, just go with him, he'll take you home. He'll take you home. First, she didn't want to. Finally, we just took her by the arm. We led her to my car. She smelled horrible. She smelled very bad. Um, and we sat her in the back seat, and she starts saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, over and over and over again. It was one clear word I could hear. <clears throat> I sit her in the car, I get in behind the wheel, and then I realize, well, I don't know where she lives. How am I going to take her home? She's now in my car. How do I take her home? I said, Grandma, where do you live? And she tells me her address, but I cannot understand her. I don't know. I said, Grandma, do you live far from here? No, 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 no. no. I said, okay, then you point to me. You show me how to get to your home. So we pull out of the parking lot. I say, do we go right or do we go left? And she starts talking. I said, right or left? I point. Do we go this way or this way? She says, this way. I go, okay. So we turn. The next four-way stop. Do we go right or left or forward? She points left. We start driving, and she's looking around. She's looking around, and I realize... She doesn't know where she's at. Oh, great. I say, here I am in this car with this little old lady trying to get her home. She doesn't know. I don't know. What do I do? Do I go to the militia? Do I go to the police? I don't know who this lady is. I'm trying to give her a ride home. So finally, I get from her the street name. Okay, you live on this street. I understand. I start looking at my maps. I find the street name. And actually, we had passed where she lived. Um, and so, and it wasn't very far from the store. So we drive back, <clears throat> park the car. She's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, over and over and over again. And I say, I'm going to help you up to your house or up to your apartment. She lived in a little apartment building. I'm going to help you up to, your, up to your apartment. I grab the bags. I take them up. And at the front door, instead of opening the door, she starts taking off her shoes. And I'm thinking, usually they do that inside the apartment. Why is she taking off her shoe now? She takes off her shoe, and inside her shoe is the key to her apartment. 
She points at the key in her shoe. She points at the key and wants me to grab it. And I'm praying, God, don't let the neighbors come home. Because here is a young guy with this little old lady about to go into her apartment. I'm thinking, they're going to think I'm robbing her. We go in. I make sure that the door doesn't close behind us. I set the bags down. I say, Grandma, there's some things that need to go in the refrigerator. Make sure you put them in the refrigerator. Okay, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, and as I'm getting ready to leave, I say, Grandma, Jesus loves you. And she just starts crying, crying, crying. <clears throat> she gives me a hug. She says, thank you, thank you, thank you. She's crying. The, the apartment is bare. It's very minimal in there. Um, I leave the bags. As I'm leaving, I see that her pocket is overflowing with money she has a lot of money in her pocket i understood what was happening was she was begging for money people were giving her small bills she was putting them in her pocket but she couldn't remember that she had them in her pocket she had and it was starting to fall out i said grandma you need to be careful you have money that's falling out of your pockets she looked at me like are you kidding me She'd probably think I was just at the store asking for money. And I said, you need to be, all I could think of was, and it's, you hear of it often, actually, uh, people being robbed, even old people being robbed or taken advantage of because of money or things in their apartment or whatever. Anyways, I say all this to say that God has and will put people in our lives that are steps away from our door. We don't have to go far for the mission field to be, or for us to be in the mission field. God says, or Jesus said, I have all power, but he says, I have, or go to all nations. And we're to teach them all that Christ teaches them. The third all we see in the Great Commission is in the beginning of verse 20. Verse 20 starts out, by saying, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. This isn't an option to choose and pick what we want to tell them about Jesus or what we want to tell others about the Bible. We are to teach them all that Christ teaches. And so if te Jesus teaches His disciples to take up their cross and follow Him, then this is what we need to be teaching. And this is what we need to be sharing. If Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, then we need to be teaching to love our enemies. If Jesus is teaching us to turn the other cheek, then this is what we teach. If te Jesus is teaching us to choose who you will serve, God or money, God or ma mammon, then we teach that. But also included in this all, teaching them to observe all things. And we often say this to our children, or we understand this, those that work with children, have children. What is the best way to teach a child? It's through our example. We can say the greatest words. We can give the greatest lesson. But if we don't demonstrate that through our example, our words are empty, meaningless, and they'll be thrown aside. And so with this teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, 
This is also Christ's way of saying, I want you to live all that I've commanded you. If we are to go into all the world and teach, then we need to first live Christ's teaching. We need to live Christ's teaching. So if Jesus teaches, and we know that Christ loves the church, and we as husbands are to love our wives as Christ loves the church, then this is what we must be living. Husbands, we must love our wives as Christ loved the church, as it says in Ephesians 5.25. If we teach that God takes care of us, and He will take care of us, and He will supply our needs, if we teach that, then we should be the most generous, the most giving people, knowing that God will meet our needs as well. It's one thing to tell others, well, God's going to meet your needs. God bless you. You know, He'll take care of you. But if we're not re ready to step in there and show that, you know what? I can give my best. I can give the first because God's going to take care of me. That's going to teach far more. And that's going to be remembered far greater than words we can say. Remember, Christ came to earth. He taught for three years, but He also lived for three years. And that's why, as He hung on the cross, His words and His teachings became action when He said, Father, forgive them. And that them is all-inclusive. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So often we do things we don't really understand or realize. We do them, and Christ's words are for us just as much as they are for those Pharisees, that, that, uh, the, those uh, Roman soldiers. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But His words became action. He went to the cross. So we're to teach all that Christ has commanded us, but we're also to live all that Christ has commanded us. <clears throat> and lastly, we see the fourth all in the Great Commission, in the end of verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. This is a tremendous promise. Tremendous promise. So often we hear, God's with us, God's with us, God's with us doesn't negate the fact that God is with us. But do we remember that? Do we remember that and live like He's with us? Because He's with us in the good times. He's with us when our life is good, when we get a new job or we get that raise. He's with us when we have a baby. He's with us when we graduate from school or university. He's with us when we have money and friends and good health. Those are the times where it's easy to say that God's with us. Sometimes it's the most difficult to remember, but it's easy to say He's with us. But He's also with us during those hard times, during those difficult times, the times when we struggled, the times of loss. Christ is with us. When our life isn't good, when we've been laid off from that job, when we lose a spouse or, or, or a child, when we struggle in school or university, we have that promise that Christ is with us. Those times when we don't have money, our finances are hard, when our friends have left us, when we suffer poor health, 
It's those times that Christ remains with us. He's still with us. These past few months, especially it was, I think, uh, last or this past May, almost nightly, there were uh, rocket attacks, drone attacks all over Ukraine, but especially concentrated on uh, Kiev and the Kiev area. Nightly, at about 12.30, 1 o'clock, we could almost set our clocks by it, we would hear rockets, drones fly over, and we would hear the, uh, the anti-air defense guns going off. And there was one night, I wrote about it in a newsletter, one night <clears throat> when it was especially intense. It was, there was, it was just huge explosions, and the explosions shaking the house and, and, and windows. And you, you realize this is happening overhead. You're laying in bed, and you're thinking, God, you know, protect us, keep us. But you're also starting to question, why are we here? What are we doing here? You know, God finally gave us the assurance, the same promise that He gives here. I'm with you. I'm with you. He's called us to be here. We are to be here. He holds all power. This is one of all nations. We're teaching His Word. Therefore, He is with us. God is with us. Remember the words in, in, in Deuteronomy 31.6. Moses' words to Joshua and God's words to Joshua and the people. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, He is with you. He will go with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. The Great Commission can be a scary thing. It can be a scary thing for all of us. And yet, as Paul says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? If, and there's a, there's a reason why Christ spent 40 extra days after His resurrection. It's because He had more to teach, but He had the greatest and the... the, the, the uh, the most far-reaching command for his disciples. And that, is, that was, and still is, to go. To go. We need to remember the Great Commission is not something that God desires us to do. This isn't just a desire of God's heart and he wishes or he hopes that some people will fulfill it. No, this is a command. As we said at the beginning, this is a command from the King of Kings and the command needs to be obeyed. It needs to be obeyed. Whether it's obeyed to your next door neighbor, or it's obeyed to your community, or it's obeyed to somewhere else in, in, in the U.S., or it's obeyed overseas. The command needs to be obeyed. Because our fulfillment of this command shows our love and our trust in the King who gave the command. If we push it aside and say, well, someone else can fulfill it, someone else can do it, He's really not king of your heart. If you're pushing one of His commands aside, this is something that He gives us and He's saying, go and do. When Jesus says all, He means all. All power, all nations, all things that He's commanded and He will be with us always. In John 4.35, we read Jesus' words. 
Say not you, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. There's time. There's time for me to make money. There's time for me to do my thing. There's time for me to set my career. There's time for me to do what I need to do first for me, and then I'll go follow or go be obedient to the Lord. No, he says, there's four months and then comes the harvest, you say. But I say to you, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already. They're all ready for you to go and harvest. They're ready. This morning, let's check our hearts and ask ourselves, are we being obedient to Christ's great commission today? Doesn't mean that you have to go to Africa tomorrow. But God is calling each of us to be a messenger of His. To take the good news that He is King of Kings and that He has come to save this world from darkness. It's not hard to differentiate or, or to show the darkness in the world today. I think most people, even non-believers, would say, this is a messed up world. This is a messed up world. And so the fields are white. If it's messed up, then here's a God who makes all things new. Here's a God who can change your life, who can give you a hope for the future. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.